to a special edition of the Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today, because of the special and heightened attention being paid to Florida schools after the fatal massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Broward County, we are going to talk with Lieutenant Troy Ferguson, the lead school resource officer for Pasco County Schools. He recently implemented a new crisis response program for the school district, one that takes a more modern approach, looking at several ways to deal with the situation rather than just one. We'll just jump straight into that interview. Uh, So, Lieutenant Ferguson, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. You're quite welcome. It's um, my pleasure to be able to uh, offer any insight about school safety in regard of, in light of what's just recently happened in uh, Broward. Well, let's talk first about that. We're seeing as a result of of what happened in Broward County that people don't always necessarily know what exactly to do. We're hearing today even about people running into large cafeterias and hunkering down whenever they hear about some sort of rumored threat going on in their school. Uh, I'm interested in knowing, first off, you know, what you think is the best way for schools, kids and teachers alike to respond when something like this does happen. You know, it's very hard to have a one-size-fits-all plan. It's just really next to impossible. And no matter how much planning you do and no matter how well-prepared you are, if someone is intent on causing harm, they're, they're going to f- find and expose vulnerabilities. And at some point, if an intruder... Uh, makes entry into a school, regretfully, someone is going to get taken by surprise and then everybody else has to react. So I guess to answer your question, what what can we do to be the most prepared or, or, or how can we you know be best informed to react? And that is you, you base that on, on recognition of the threat and where that threat is. And then, you know, drill. Practice it, rehearse it, have conversations with your staff, with your students, as parents, with our children. What what are my options? Run away, find safety, find somewhere to hide, reinforce and barricade, lock down, um, call nine one one. But just we we um, we're, we're trained in what we what we always learn. So if we've been a product of years and years and years of just do this one thing, and we can't do that one thing because something is preventing us from doing that, then it just adds to the chaos and conflict and and. You know, once people get into that fight or flight um, syndrome uh, when faced with crisis, it's really kind of hard to predict what people will do. Now, you had said that you changed the Pasco County approach to be away from lockdowns only. What's wrong with a lockdown approach? Well, there's nothing wrong with locking down, per se. There's still still a very, very valid and valuable um, approach. part of um, crisis plans, the lockdown is. But having a lockdown-only passive approach as a one-size-fits-all response to active threats or crisis management is ill-advised. You know, in recent years, um, the uh, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and Department of Education 
uh, produced studies that show that the the new standard of care um, in educational institutions um, revolve around four essential components. Uh, having a having an evac I'm sorry having a crisis plan that opts for options for self evacuation, for good communication and alert systems, locking down but not just traditional lockdown. We're talking about a reinforced barricade type of lockdown, uh, concealment, and then as a last resort, countering uh, as a measure of uh, self defense. Now you're not telling everybody that they should fight back against somebody with a automatic weapon, right? We're not teaching children how to disarm gunmen, how to engage in the martial arts or self-defense. What we're simply saying is if you are left with no other option and you are surprised back into a corner, you can't evacuate, you can't call for help, and there is no amount of barricading that's going to help you because you're already face-to-face with an attacker, the human instinct is to react and try and survive. So we want to encourage that any means possible, you try to distract uh, uh, and defend against uh, violence and then look for an escape opportunity. But the first thing to do is to be alert and to try and escape, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you're taken by a surprise in a cafeteria, a crowded gymnasium, or, or a hallway, or the entrance to a school building, and your first, your first inclination is, where can I go to get away from immediate harm? So, so option one is, is that alert, Tell others, call for help, and then avoid the um, avoid the uh, the danger by looking for a place where you can shelter, um, or if nothing else, at least hide and try to um, you know, avoid uh, contact with the intruder. A lot of times we hear about people gathering in a centralized location, turning off the lights and just trying to be quiet. But I kind of imagine that as being the place where somebody intent on doing harm would look for. Look, we just talking about looking for uh, groups of people gathered together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, we still we still like the idea of lights out, and quiet, and get low, and get out of sight. We like those kinds of things because that makes it harder for for you know shooters to to acquire a target. Um, however, clustering together is is not uh, wise because it it, it uh, makes um, for a target rich environment, if you will. So you, you can imagine. Um, picking up a seven ten split of bowling alley versus looking at a fresh set of pins down down the end. Um, that's why shooters typically look for places where people gather when they're, when they're thinking about committing an, uh, an active shooter, such as a gymnasium, uh, a cafeteria, a playground. Uh, whenever kids are low to the ground and spread out, it you know disrupts the uh, the, the uh, attacker's focus. He has multiple targets but they're all over the place and he can't control everybody at one time and people are moving around they're making noise they're trying that they're trying or you know using distraction techniques if they're faced you know face to face with the intruder but certainly we want to avoid clustering together um, to make the attacker's job easier and as far as trying to keep people out it's you mentioned that locking doors is a really key point in trying to just deter somebody because you can't open a door, you go to the next door. Is there something that teachers should be doing while they're in school? Something as simple as locking a door can most definitely save lives in um, an active shooter situation. Um, We've looked at a lot of studies post-Columbine, post-Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, where locked doors uh, were effective at 
deterring the shooter to move on to other locations. Locked doors can be breached, and they have been breached in active shooter scenarios, uh, although in the psyche of the shooter, if they're looking to typically inflict as much harm as they can in a short period of time. The, the, the shooter knows as well as, as, every, as anyone else that law enforcement is on the way, and they only have a couple of minutes, and so they want to be able to you know, harm as many people as possible in a short amount of time. So it's they're looking for the path of least resistance. So an unlocked door is much easier to access potential victims than having to breach a locked door or breach a locked door that's barricaded, um, you know, that sort of thing. So they're, they're looking for ease of access. At the same time, we don't want our schools to become like maximum security prisons. I wonder how they can keep people out or if they can keep people out or we just have to constantly be vigilant that something happens and we need to be ready to go. Well, you know, you, you make a valid point. We don't want our educational institutions to turn into prisons. Um, and and certainly, um, vigilance is going to have to be key. I mean, today, our high school campuses and even some of our middle school campuses across the country, not just here in Pasco County, more closely resemble that of a, a college campus. There are many buildings with large, sprawling footprints and various access points. So having good environmental environmental design that channels people in a predictable manner to central control points and celebrated entryways where there is someone to challenge that person is important. Locks and cameras and I'm sorry, locks and gates and fences are of no use to anyone if they're not locked and or closed. And having someone check in at the office as a, is a great rule, but if if the natural flow of the environment doesn't channel people to that front office, then it makes it harder to identify, you know, where people are. Or if someone's wandering a campus, it's harder to identify who is suspicious and who is not. Who's, who belongs there and who does not if they haven't gone through the front door and been vetted and provided a, um, you know, like a visitor's badge. Do you have any, like, single piece of advice that you could offer to even parents who are now concerned that their schools are possibly unsafe and their children might be the next victim? Well, I think we have to put things into perspective. Um, the power of social media takes tragedies like this and makes it headline news across the, the globe in a matter of seconds, even in real time, as we saw the case in Broward County. Um, schools are still one of the safest places to send our children. Um, what we have to begin to, to look at as a um, as a law enforcement community, as as citizens, as an educational community, is what can we do to increase awareness, train folks, um, and and arm them with as much um, forethought and deliberate planning about how to react and when to when to report something as suspicious. It, it, it's good. it comes down to vigilance and just some basic um, planning and, and and looking at your security plans, having good conversations with our kids. And if you see something you don't like, say something. Um, maybe there's a door that's broken or a lock that needs fixing or a light that's burned out. Um, you know, make some suggestions. But uh, 
everyone paying attention, everyone looking for suspicious activity. And, and of course, with the Broward County incident, it was just like any other horrific tragedy that's occurred in, in the United States, the law enforcement and the public safety community will look at those incidents after the fact during the late investigation, and we'll, take, we'll have takeaways that we can use to examine our own protocols and our own school designs and policies that hopefully will help us to to lessen the chances of these things occurring again and certainly mitigate um, you know, the amount of victimization that goes on. Do we need to put more law enforcement or people with guns on campuses in order to counter the people who come with guns? Well, certainly having a, a school resource officer is a valuable deterrent. Um, I, I believe in Broward County that there's been conflicting reports, but I believe that that campus did have one or two um, security arrestor type uh, folks on campus. I'm not sure um, to the extent, but I don't necessarily know that just arming individuals and putting them in schools is the answer so much as it is training, physical security, and design. Um, I, I do think that... Um, it's in everyone's best interest for there to be a security aspect because any good security plan needs to be blended. You've got you know, security in terms of gadgets like your locks, lights, alarms, and things of that nature. Then you've got your, your security in terms of your people, your personnel. How well are your staff trained on rules and regulations and identifying suspicious people? And then there's that uniformed presence, which is that uh, deterrent factor associated with a uniformed law enforcement officer. Um, or armed security guard. I think um, we're at the day and age now where that has to be, um, you know, a mainstay in, in any educational system. Things certainly have changed. <laughs> I guess so. They certainly have. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and to share your insights. Is there any other last remaining word of wisdom you have for those of us who really are concerned and, and want to know what we should be doing? Well, be informed. Be prepared and be safe. And I would suggest that parents, just like teachers, uh, are having conversations with children about what would you do and monitoring their activity on social media. There are so many things that come out after the fact in all of these shootings that maybe if someone had taken notice of um, may have assisted with threat assessment or early intervention. We'll never know. Um, but certainly, um, in this day and age, people paying close attention to what is being pushed out on social media in their relevant small circles, um, and reporting those types of things to law enforcement or responsible adults certainly a step in the right direction. The federal government has that, uh, program, you know, the, the see something, say something. And there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of merit and a lot of wisdom in that short little statement there. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jeff. My pleasure. That's the end of our interview and the end of this podcast. If you would like to participate in this conversation, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. You can also keep up with all of the latest news as we can get it to you on our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. If you like this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. It makes it easier for other people to find. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.